Amazing. Um, I want to start off this morning by just telling you a little story of how God's changed, actually not just my life, but the life of my family over the past um, month or so. So over the last six months, I don't know if you've experienced anything like this, but we in our family have experienced this horrible cycle of COVID, colds and tummy bugs. And it literally has not stopped for six months. We would just finish having a cold and then feel better and then get another cold again. And it had such an impact on me. It would um, kind of dull down my spiritual life because I wasn't getting up to pray. Has anyone experienced that? It's so frustrating and you feel trapped in it. And then the kids pick something up from school and then, oh no, I've, I've got it. Before you know it, you've got it again. Well, it was just a bit depressing, if I'm honest. Um, before Easter, Andy Rimmer said to us, um, we've got a house, a family house. It's his sister's house, who no one lives in at the moment, in Newmarket. Do you want to go there for four days for a holiday? So we went to Newmarket with race. There's literally horses everywhere, which is an amazing place. But for four days, we were in this house. And one day, Michelle and the kids had gone out for the day to see her sister. And I was on my own in the house. And I was just, I just got another cold. And I was just feeling really rough. And something else I've got to confess to you. I started in the last six months, I was just constantly eating too much chocolate. All the time. And putting on loads of weight. Okay? And it's like a real stronghold in my life. Just eating bad things all the time. And I thought this week I was going to seek God and I was going to not do that. But I noticed in the fridge there was this bar of chocolate that didn't belong to us. It belonged to the family, the, the Rimmer family, <laughs> uh, Andy's sister's family. But it was a big, it was fruit and nut and it was massive. And I thought I'm just going to open it and try some of it. And literally within five or ten minutes, I had eaten this bar of chocolate that big. It was terrible, and I felt so guilty. I felt awful. I felt so bad that I just thought, this was about 11 o'clock, I'm just going to go to bed, because I didn't feel very well. So I went to bed. And when I, went, I was sleeping, probably for two or three hours, I had this most incredible experience. God showed up in my dreams in a way that I haven't, I, that I don't remember having like that for a long time. God appeared to me in my dreams in such a powerful way that I can feel it now when I think of it. Literally, in my dream, it was the most incredible feeling, but it was also completely terrifying. God appeared to me in my dreams, and it was so exhilarating, so fun, so lovely, and oh, just desperately, I can't put it into words. It's just like ecstasy. That's the only way I can describe it. The, the, the ecstatic feeling, but also completely terrifying. And um, it was amazing. And I woke up feeling so full of joy, so just buzzing. I had this most incredible feeling of God. I certainly didn't deserve it. <laughs> I hadn't done anything to earn it at all. But since then, the month or so since then, the life of my family has been completely different. We've stopped getting colds and illnesses. And I have had a renewed prayer life with God that I haven't had for a long, long time. So every morning without fail, I've got up early 
with Ezra, and you might have, some of you might have seen me, <laughs> I saw Nikki pushing around Barnet for an hour, praying in tongues um, early, every morning. And I've absolutely loved it. It's my favourite thing to get up and pray, to meet with Jesus. When before, it was such a slog, such a burden, and I knew I was meant to pray, but I just couldn't do it. But just the divine touch. Has anyone here ever experienced just the breath of God just come upon your life? Yeah. And it just changes you. I couldn't do it in my own strength. I just couldn't. I'm way too weak and pathetic. I cannot do it. But just one little breath this morning can change our lives. And I just feel Jesus saying this morning, he wants to just breathe a little bit of his breath upon each one of us. And it, so who here this morning would like a bit of more of divine grace, a bit of divine enabling in our lives? I just want to talk about how do we break through with a fresh love for Jesus? I feel so much more in love with Jesus now. But it's not coming from me, it's just coming from his touch in my life. So this morning, if you could put the first slide up, we're going to look at this one snippet of one verse of the reading, Philippians 1. For me, sorry, it's really, sorry, I didn't do that slide well, did I? But it says, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Now this is the summary of the Christian life. You could sum the Christian life, our job description, our calling into one phrase. For the rest of our days and hours on earth before we go to be with Jesus, to live is Christ. Not anything else, not religion, not um, good things, not financial security, but having a beautiful love, and a love affair with Jesus, with God. Being obsessed with Him, having our eyes fixed upon Him, serving Him, wanting to do anything that helps Him become famous and helps other people's lives benefit from His love. For me to live is Christ. And this is an incredibly high bar. I don't know if you ever look in the Old Testament and think, wow, that must have been really hard to be a believer in the Old Testament because there are so many rules and regulations. But did you know that in the New Covenant, if you're a Christian, you, we know we're in the new, you're in a covenant with Jesus now, actually the bar is way, way, way higher. Where in the Old Testament, if you killed someone, you'd be in trouble for murder. Now, if you're angry with someone in your heart, Jesus says that's murder. In the Old Testament, you were in trouble for committing adultery. Now, if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. The bar is so high. How can we live this life? I found I cannot live this life. I can't do it. I just end up eating that massive bar of chocolate too many times. I just know I can't do it. And Jesus said this, if anyone wants to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. Did you know that, well, I know you know this, being a Christian is the hardest calling on the planet. There is no harder calling. Because it's calling you to live something that you can't live. It's calling you to live something that is so impossible. To give up your life, to focus away from other stuff, even styles of church, whether it's charismatic bands, electric guitars, drums. Some people are obsessed with that. That can become a religion and that is toxic. 
On the other side, we can become obsessed with um, more traditional style of church. Neither of them are wrong. Neither, neither of them are right. That's not religion. Religion is in our hearts when we grab hold of man-made things and try and get to God. And we have to let go of them. We have to let go of them. Whatever end of the spectrum you're on, whether you're on the more charismatic, contemporary style or the more religious, um, traditional style, we can easily have a religious spirit in our heart where we are trying to get to God. And Jesus says, no, that is not living for Christ. Let go. Let go of that. And focus your attention on a relationship with Jesus. That's the only thing that will satisfy you. But we can't do it. We just can't. It's the hardest calling on earth. The bar is so high we can never reach it. And Paul says this crazy thing in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, if Jesus didn't, imagine if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and we were wrong all along. We are to be pitied more than anyone else in the world. And what he's saying is, the, 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 the Christian life is so hard. It is such a battle and a slog. It's so hard. It's harder than anything else in the world. We live in such an intense battle. And you may be feeling this morning... You know, I want to live for Jesus more. I want Jesus more, but I just can't. I'm stuck. That is exactly how I felt in my life. Stuck. And the Christian life so easily just becomes about duty, like cold-blooded duty. I must do this. I must do this. But actually, it's not meant to be like that. It's meant to be a love affair. It's meant to be a beautiful obsession with, with God, with Jesus. It's meant to be a life of supernatural love, supernatural joy. And thank God for us, for our sake, Paul, he broke through in this. And he teaches us how to break through against all the odds. He was in a Roman prison. You know, Philippians should be the saddest book in the Bible. He was probably on death row. It would have been literally the most horrific time he had there, chained to these guards. But Philippians is the, happy, the most joy-filled, happiest book in the Bible. Sixteen times in four, four chapters, he says about being filled with joy. Sixteen times. How did Paul manage this, to live this life when he was in prison? And throughout Philippians, Paul's love for Jesus is just bursting out. So in the bit that was read out by Liz before, he says, it is far better for me to die right now and just to be with Christ. I long just to go and be with Jesus. And then in chapter 2, he says this amazing, amazing thing. Um, he says, Christ Jesus, who made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So for Paul's life, it wasn't a religion, it wasn't a duty or a, 
just a slog. This was a passionate love affair. His love for Jesus just oozes out everywhere. So how did he do this? Because I want to live like that. Whether I'm in prison or, or not in prison, whether I'm having an easy life or a hard life, I want to be empowered. When I was little, when I was younger, I was obsessed with making bonfires. I don't know if anyone else was like that. <laughs> Steve was. <laughs> and, and since I was about, I think about eight years old, my mum and dad seemed to be fine with this. I would get home from school, and with my brothers or my friends, we would build campfires in the garden. And we would we'd just love it. I don't know why. I'm just obsessed with it. And all I remember was billows of smoke because the wood was always so damp and we didn't know how to do it. And we would just be lighting it and lighting it and throwing more paper on and just couldn't get it to light. It was really, really hard. And I think our Christian lives feel like that so often. It just feels like there's so much smoke. We need, where is the fire? I don't know if you feel like that sometimes. But imagine if you got a bucket of petrol. I didn't do this when I was eight, but imagine if you got a bucket of petrol and you tipped it on the fire. And Graham, could you show this little video clip? It's just a very simple clip. Can you play that one? And there is some sound as well, but don't worry if you... Um, this is a man lighting a bonfire with petrol. Will it play? Oh, no, it won't play. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, basically, sorry. All it is is a man with a wet pile of wood, and he douses it with petrol. And he pours it on and on and on and on. Then he creates a little line of petrol a few metres away and lights it, and it just goes, you know what it will happen. It just goes, Vroom. And this man, what I was going to try and say, is like the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, when I was sleeping and having those dreams, the Holy Spirit was just gently coming up to me and pouring the petrol on my heart. And you know, you cannot live the Christian life without that. We can try and slog it out. We can try it with cold-blooded duty week by week. It just doesn't work. We need the beautiful person of the Holy Spirit to gently come up to us and put spiritual petrol on our hearts. And that's just the breath of God. It is the spirit of life upon us moving upon us. And the, our danger is we try and live the Christian life without this. And the Apostle Paul was always doing this with the Christians. In every book that he wrote, you, you look at the letters and it always starts off, I am praying for you. Basically, I'm praying for you that the Holy Spirit would douse you with spiritual petrol. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. The Apostle Paul is always saying that. Praying for the grace of God to transform you, for the breath of God to be upon you, for the fire of God to burn within you. And Paul, if you, imagine, if you remember Paul's life, he had experienced this. See, we often try and copy Paul's life. So it's a bit echoey. We often try and copy Paul's amazing life without having Paul's amazing encounters with God. Do you remember on the, uh, when he was on his horse, when he was a murderer, Jesus just appeared to him with a great flash of light and knocked him off his horse. 
And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he spent 14 years in the wilderness just seeking God. And in 2 Corinthians he talks about he had incredible experience of being caught up in that he calls the third heaven. It's a very mysterious thing. He was caught up and saw things of Jesus that he can't even mention. They were too wonderful. His life had been doused with spiritual petrol, with the spirit of the living God. And we often try and copy Paul's life of goodness without actually having the encounters with Jesus. You can't do that. It doesn't work. First, we have to encounter Jesus more and then we can live for God more. For me, it happened in a dream. It doesn't matter how it happens, but it has to happen. The bar's too high. We can't do it. Jesus said, yeah, take up your cross. But he also said, actually, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Which one's true? Is the Christian life really impossible or is it really easy? Well, it's both, but when you get that touch from God, it changes everything. My prayer life, getting up and praying in tongues for an hour every morning, has been like a dream. It's just been the funnest. Oh, I long to do it. It's never a chore. Never a chore. I just love it. When before, it would have been, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get up early. What's happened? Just Jesus has breathed his grace on me. That's what he wants to do with us this morning. All of us. Three times the Apostle Paul said this. The things you see in my life, I want you to imitate them. I want you to imitate the things in my life. We need to imitate his encounters with God. So, I'd love to pray for us in a minute. As I finish off, um, scattered my notes all over the place. This, I'm going to pray for us, but I just want to finish by encouraging us with the good news of the gospel. Because it's so easy for us to think, oh, I've failed. And I feel guilty so often. Like, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not a great Jesus follower. I'm not a great lover of Jesus so often. But the incredible fact is, the good news is that throughout Jesus' life, he perfectly followed God. He perfectly sought God. He perfectly was filled with love for God and passion for God. And when you became a Christian, Jesus gave you that perfect record of righteousness as a free gift. So each one of us is just clothed with righteousness. And God looks at you this morning and he's not frustrated. He's not angry with me and with you. I did not deserve after eating that chocolate. I felt so ashamed, honestly. I didn't deserve to have that dream. Why did I have it? Because God looks at me and sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you this morning, you're a holy place. You're a holy place. God's not frustrated. He's not angry. You're a holy place because of Christ, what he did on the cross. So I'd love us to pray this morning. So if you want to just close your eyes. Let's pray together. I want to thank you, Jesus, that each person here is part of your holy temple. That the spirit of the living God is living inside every person. 
And Holy Spirit, I pray you would just come and breathe. Come and move. And I feel the Lord wants to say to us this morning that each one of us is actually very well acquainted with the Holy Spirit. You might think, oh, the Holy Spirit is a strange concept to me, or I'm, I'm not too sure how much I've experienced. But did you know that every time you've prayed for something to happen, you prayed for a friend to be encouraged, or maybe someone's lost their husband and you're praying for them for comfort, or you're praying for someone to get better, or you're praying for someone's work or their job, every time you've prayed that, you've been asking the Holy Spirit to do something. And the Holy Spirit says, look, I, I'm your friend. I'm your helper. I live inside you. You are very well acquainted with me. You know me better than you think. And now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would breathe that breath of God upon us, that divine grace upon us, that in the name of Jesus, we would come alive in new ways and seek you in new ways, that we would let go of religion whatever our religious preferences are, that we would let go of them and not hold them so tightly. And that we would turn our gaze upon Jesus. We would be obsessed with Jesus. That we would be in love with Jesus. That we wouldn't make do with second best, with other good things, but we would just be obsessed with Him. Lord, help us to turn our gaze upon You. We need Your help. Come and help us. Come and empower us this morning. I pray that people here would have wonderful dreams about the glory of Jesus. Come and bless them. Come and terrify us. Come and thrill us. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen. Amen.